0: So uh, our second sermon on on empowered Speech, I'm going to tackle the topic of prophecy. So let's start right out of the gate with the Slack question, which I will look at here. How would you describe prophecy to someone who was unfamiliar with the term? So how would you describe prophecy to someone who is unfamiliar with the term? I think in society today, we have a couple ideas of what prophecy is. The first is the, like, uh, on June 30th, the world will end and everything will burn up and those kinds of, like, doomsday prophecies or the things that people say that are a little bit scary or a little bit whatever, and usually... To motivate us to do something they want us to do. Or the other might be the person standing on the street corner screaming, Thus saith the Lord! And again, all the stuff. And uh, so those are two kind of common areas that we think of a prophecy. But Vine's Bible Dictionary speaks this is their definition of prophecy to speak God's message to the people under the influence of the divine spirit. And so prophetic words will usually fall within three categories. They will either be evangelizing in nature, they'll be edifying in nature, or they will be equipping in nature. And I'll go a little bit deeper into that later on. But all of this falls under empowered speech. If the Holy Spirit is not the one that's initiating the prophecy, it's not prophetic, it's just good advice. So the Holy Spirit is the one doing the empowering in empowered speech. So why do we need empowered speech? Why do we need prophecy? So last week, Rob talked about the law and truth, and Moses, the first great prophet, gave us the law. So if we have Scripture, if we have the law, why do we need prophecy? And that's because in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and like today, we sometimes forget about Scripture or forget about the law or forget about the things that God has called us to do. And God, in his infinite grace, still desires to have a relationship with us, didn't just say something a few thousand years ago and leave us to ourselves. Instead, he will send people to remind us of the things and to call us back into relationship with him. So that's one of the reasons why we need prophecy. Let's look at some of your answers for Slack Questions 1s. I'm counting on my girl Corey here. Corey. It's Tom today. Good job, Tom. All right. Prophecy is humbly speaking the heart and mind and truth and word of God into a situation. Awesome. Speaking God's truth. I used to think of prophecy as being psychic and very mystical, but now I see it as speaking the word of God to his people through the Holy Spirit, which feels less mystical. I already have the Holy Spirit in my life, so hearing his message doesn't seem so far out there anymore. Awesome. I want to take a look at prophecy in the Old Testament, prophecy in the New Testament, and prophecy for today. So. As we said, that Moses gave us the law, and then uh, the people of Israel were doing their thing. And um, he gave us the priests to kind of help with the law. So um, I want to talk about Samuel. So Samuel was a young boy, and um, his mother couldn't have a child. She was able to have a child, and she dedicated that child to the Lord. So he went to the temple in Shiloh, which is where... one of the places where they worshipped, and he was underneath the priest Eli. And he was very young, and it says um, in Samuel 1, 3, 1 to 10, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent visions. So basically Samuel's in the temple. It's nighttime. He's lying down, and he hears a voice saying, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. So he runs into Eli and he's like, You called me? And Eli says, Nope, go back to bed. And he does this like a few more times. And then finally, Eli, the old priest, recognizes he's hearing the voice of God. So he says, Go back, lie down, and if he talks to you again, then say, Yes, Lord, your servant is listening. And so he does that and then. The Lord gives Samuel a word both for Eli and his family and calls them, calls out their sin and tells them there's going to be consequences for that if they don't come back to the Lord. Two things I want you to pay particular attention of, of, in this is, one, Samuel was young. God can use any age. There's no, like, once I get to the age of whatever, then God can use me. God uses children. All the way up to, if you're still alive, he's still got a point for you. Even my mom, no. And um, also, in that time, the word of the Lord was rare, so it wasn't quickly recognized. It actually took a bit. The, how, the power of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come on someone they would speak prophetically. So, um, and it was often when they needed to be reminded about the law. Okay, I'm going to tell you two stories from the Old Testament that seriously amuse me because sometimes God did things in really unusual and dramatic ways. So the first one is Jeremiah 13, 1 through 11. Thus says the Lord to me, go and buy a linen loincloth and put it around your waist and do not dip it in water. "'So I bought a loincloth according to the word of the Lord "'and put it around my waist. "'And the word of the Lord came to me a second time. "'Take the loincloth that you have bought, "'which is around your waist, and arise. "'Go to the Euphrates and hide it there "'in a cleft of the rock.' So I went and I hid it by the Euphrates as the Lord commanded me. And after many days, the Lord said to me, Arise, go to the Euphrates and take from there the loincloth that I commanded you to hide there. Then I went to the Euphrates and dug, and I took the loincloth from the place where I had hidden it, and behold, the loincloth was spoiled." It was good for nothing. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Thus says the Lord, Even so will I spoil the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people who refuse to hear my words, who stubbornly followed their own heart, and have gone after other gods to serve them and worship them, shall be like this loincloth, which is good for nothing. For as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah cling to me, for it declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people, a name, a praise, and a glory, but they wouldn't listen. So this is pretty dramatic. Imagine if some guy, okay, God tells you, go buy some underwear, don't wash it, put it on, now go bury it somewhere, now go dig it up, and now it is nasty, rotting, underwear, and now you go and say, Carl, this is you, my man. You are nasty, dirty, rotten underwear when you don't follow God. It's a pretty dramatic, it kind of gets the point across. Thankfully, I have not been called to give that kind of a prophetic word now. Or this one. In the year that the commander-in-chief, who was sent by Sargon, the king of Assyria, came to Ashdod and fought against it and captured it, At that time, the Lord spoke by Isaiah, the son of Amoz, saying, Go and loose the sackcloth from your waist and take off your sandals from your feet. And he did so, walking naked and barefoot. Then the Lord said, As my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot for three years as a sign and a portent against Egypt and Cush, so shall the king of Assyria... Lead away the Egyptian captives and the Cushite exiles, both the young and the old, naked and barefoot, with buttocks uncovered and nakedness, and the nakedness of Egypt. Then they shall be dismayed and ashamed because of Cush their hope and of Egypt their boast. And the inhabitants of this coastline will say in that day, Behold, this is what has happened to those in whom we hoped and to whom we fled for help to be delivered from the king of Assyrius. And we, and we how shall we escape? Again, you put your trust in the wrong place, and instead of following God, it's like you're naked and barefoot, like you've got no protection. Again, a super dramatic way for God to get his point across. In the New Testament, of course, the great prophet Jesus had all kinds of prophecies. His birth, tons of prophecies around his birth and his time in the temple, he himself was incredibly prophetic and he was the fulfillment of a whole bunch of prophecies so if he was prophetic and we're supposed to example him then are we supposed to be prophetic when it was time for him to leave his followers, he knew that they would still that they would still need to speak prophetically, that there would still be a need for evangelism, equipping edification. So in John 20:21 20, 21 to 22, it said, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus had to leave so that all of us could have the Holy Spirit. After Jesus was gone, prophetic speech still continued as a way of speaking to people about what God was. Of course, there was Pentecost, which is a big thing for Pentecostals. Then whenever we hear about salvation in the Bible, there's often this impouring of the Holy Spirit. Eventually, it became almost a regular gift within the church. Act 21, 8 through 13 says, On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, And we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, But it helped Paul. It equipped him for what was going to be coming. And sure enough, he went to Jerusalem and they imprisoned him, took him to Rome, and that's where his life ended. How about today? The Holy Spirit lives in us. Therefore, we can speak in empowered ways by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does God still want us to speak today, or does God want to use common people, or is it just the great prophets of the old, or is it just the pastors, or is it just those who have many, many Bible degrees? There's three examples I want to look at. The first one is uh, and the time of Moses, so Moses is leading the people, and it's becoming too much for him. So God says, take 70 elders from the tribe. And they went outside the camp and they met with Moses. And it said, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they did not continue doing it. Meanwhile, back in the camp, there was two guys who were supposed to be outside the camp, but they weren't. And when the spirit came down, they started prophesying in the camp. And one of the guys was like, whoa, and he ran to Moses, and he's like, Moses, they're doing this, and they're not supposed to. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophesied that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And in Joel, there's a very famous one, Joel 2.28, that says, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And 1 Corinthians 14, 1-3. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For one who understands him, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirits. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. All right, so clearly, if you are a son or a daughter, God wants you to be open to prophesy. Um, my Slack question, too, is, have you ever felt like you had a prophetic word, but it felt scary to share? So God gave you a word for someone, and, uh, but you were scared to say it. Have you ever had that? The church is built up when the people prophesy not to build up reputation. Sometimes it's not very pleasant and can seem scary. There's this story in the New Testament. There's this guy named Saul who's going around and killing all the Christians, and he goes to Damascus, and he has this incredible encounter in Damascus. He later becomes Paul, who writes most of the... He changes his name to Paul and writes most of the New Testament, but at this time, he has this encounter, and he's blind. So they take him to this place in, um, in Damascus, and then God speaks to this guy named Ananias, who's a Christian, and he says to Ananias, now there, now there was a dis- disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord, and the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision, in a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all those who call on your name. So basically, God, if you send me this guy, he could kill me, and that doesn't seem good. But Ananias is obedient to the call of God, and he goes to Paul, and he prays for him, and something like scales fall off of Paul's eyes, and he goes on to be one of the most effective witnesses in the history of the world for spreading the gospel. Because Ananias was willing to step out and do something scary, even though it actually could have cost him his life? Let's look at your answers to question two. Um, Yes, but not just because I'm scared to say it. I'm scared, sorry, I'm scared it's me and not God. That's really good. Yes, but fear of how they are going to respond or react to it scares me out of it sometimes. Good. Um, Yes, but it's so open to interpretation that it could just be one of the crazies that live in my head. Awesome. Perfect. That leads me right into, let's go through some things about prophecy. Empowered speech accurately represents the will of God in the world today. So the first thing is Does what I'm saying accurately represent the will of God in the world today? So one thing that that prophetic speech can be for is evangelism. So it can be used to bring people to God. So you might have encounters with your neighbors, with your workmates, with people around you. You're having a normal conversation with them, and you feel like God's saying something to you that is not something you would know or should know on your own, and you say to them, hey, such and such, or is this true, or I feel like I should say this. And it's the Holy Spirit in you working on what the Holy Spirit is doing in them. And it can be used to draw them. How did you know that? Where did that come from? And you can explain your connection to God. So evangelizing is one reason that we have prophetic speech. Edification. Edification to encourage people. You might sometimes get a word like, you know what, Johnny, I see you, I see all the things. God wants you to know, he sees you, he sees what you're going through, and he has an answer for you. That's a time that could be prophetic speech. And uh, I've had times where I've gone up to someone and I'm like, I mean, I don't know if this is real or not, but I just feel like God's saying this. It was just an encouragement to them. And it was exactly what they needed to hear at that time. Or it could be equipping, like it was with Paul. You know what? You might be going through a hard time right now, but God's got a plan and God's got a purpose and God's got something he's going to do through this. So just know God hasn't forgotten about you. Our next question is, what can God do to prepare yourself? What can you do, sorry, to prepare yourself for God to use you? Again, this is inclusive. Men, women, children, old people. God wants to use all of us if we're willing to be used by him. But back to your question of how do I know if this is me or the crazies in my head, I think is how it went. So first of all, it has to line up with scripture. God is not going to speak something to someone else that does not line up to Scripture. So that can be the first thing. That can be for you as the person who is speaking the prophecy, and absolutely for you as the person who is hearing the prophecy. If someone comes to you and says something to you, make sure that you check it against Scripture. Also, it kind of has to be judged. Like, does this make sense? Is this something that should be done or shouldn't be done? A good way to do that is to take your, if you receive a prophecy, to take it to someone you trust a mentor, someone uh, who you respect in the faith, and be like, I heard this. Do you feel like this is something God could be saying or would be saying? Because the one thing we want to make sure that we avoid, more than anything, is abuse of power. We don't want to be like Rob and tell people they have to give us 150 bucks. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, we want to be like Rob in some things, but we don't want to go. So when I speak a prophetic word, it should not be to benefit me. It could be, I think, as Rob said last week, if I was paying attention to the scripture, it could be that I go to you and say, I feel like God's told me to give you 150 bucks. That very much is something God could do. But it should never be what we would call an abusive power situation where I'm getting something out of this prophecy. So that's another way to judge it. Let's look at some of your answers now. Do, do, do. Oh, They're making me use a new computer. Uh, be open for it and pray for it. Be open to the message and ready to listen. Um, I think too many people speak for God. When anyone suggests to me that God wants me to tell you or God is saying something to me through them, I tune out. Interesting. Okay. How do I know? Uh, lines up with scripture and takes um, take it to someone else you trust. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I have a friend who spends time on Mondays praying for people in her life. And she was talking, we were talking about it, and she told me that oftentimes when she's praying for someone, the Lord speaks to her in scriptures. So they might, he might give her a scripture for someone. And then what she does is she takes that scripture and she prays about it throughout the week. And she kind of asks the Lord to give her more insight into what it is he's trying to say. I think sometimes we feel like, oh my gosh, God, talk to me right now. If I don't get it out, that's it, it's over, I'm done, and whatever. But God's not in a rush. He had, uh, what's his name, put his underwear in a rock for a bunch of time and then come back again. It's okay to take time and make sure that what you're saying lines up with what God is saying. So don't be in a rush with it. Again, if we have a prophetic word, there's three things we should look at. First, maybe the Word is actually just for us. Maybe God's just trying to tell us something through Scripture, through song or worship, through our prayer times. Maybe it's just for us, and it's not actually meant for someone else. So we need to pray about that first. The second is maybe it's for one other person. Maybe you're praying for someone, and God puts something on your heart to go and share with them. Again, make sure it matches up with scripture, make sure it's something that's edifying or encouraging them or uh, maybe drawing them closer to God. And sometimes it might be at a situation like this or in a a bigger group. We were downstairs during the, um, just before the baptisms and Rob Sense that there was something uh, that, that God wanted to say, which was funny because I was standing beside him and I had something that I knew God wanted me to say, but I was like, I'll just do it later, it's fine. <laughs> then God said it and I was like, okay. And it was just a word of encouragement for those that were getting baptized and just something that I felt like they needed to share. And, uh, and you know what? If I'd missed that opportunity, if Rob hadn't like, said something right there, I actually could have just gone to those people afterwards and told them. So there is no hurry in prophecy. There's no rush. It's not like if you don't do it right now, God's never going to give you a second chance, because God is a gracious, gracious God. Next week, we're going to talk about tongues, which Rob is going to take, thank goodness. Um, But for now, prophecy is a gift from God. Not everybody's going to have it. Not everybody's going to have it all the time, But if you want to be open to being used by God, just humble yourself, come before him and say, Lord, use me. I'm going to pray for us now. God, I love that you didn't just give us the law and then leave us to our own devices. I love that you love us so much, you still speak to us today. You speak to us through your word. You speak to us through just the Holy Spirit. You speak to us through music. And God, I pray that we would be open to be used by you to speak words of encouragement, to speak words of um, evangelism, of calling people to you, and words of equipping, Lord. And so, God, I pray that you, as we go, as we are out in the community, as we are doing the things that you have called us to, that we would always be listening for your voice and ready to be used by you.